everyone, and welcome to Growing Woman, a podcast all about sharing women's voices and stories. I am your host, Christina Sang, and oh my gosh, I am just so, so excited to be back. Um, I took a few weeks off for the holidays and for the new year. We had the first Amplify Her Media workshop um, with Rachel Volkley Kuhlman, which was absolutely incredible, but we are back with the show. Um, and man, is it a show today. I am so excited to share this person's story with you. Today's guest is Jennifer Trepic, and I have known Jennifer for a few years now. We are in the same networking group together, and Jen is an entrepreneur in every sense of the word. She is so dedicated to her work, and she, in this episode, details how she started her company, um, how she had her company as a side hustle for 12 years before she branched out and did, you know, this full time on her own. She talks about her journey with food and the mental component that comes along with making healthy choices and having more freedom around the food you eat. She talks about, yeah, a lot about her history um, and the foundation of her business I'm, I'm really excited to get into this because as you know, if you are a regular listener of this show, if you're not, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, but I really love to get into the nitty gritty details with guests. I like to talk about, you know, the foundation of what brought them to where they are today. That way you get a better understanding of how to utilize their services and, and really who is behind this company or this creative um, person or this movement. It's really, really important to me to learn about that because it really shows that we're all the same. We all have the same struggles. We all have the same wins. Um, we have the same challenges and the same successes, and we're not alone in that. So today's episode is such a beautiful example of all of that. Um, And I also want to encourage you to go follow Jen's work. She has an incredible podcast called Salad with a Side of Fries. It is wonderful and super informative. She is really on top of her shit. (laughs) Like when I look at the work she does, she really is on top of it. She's always, always expanding, super collaborative, um, And I really want to encourage you to go listen to her show too, because she is almost at 100,000 downloads, which is absolutely phenomenal. And so go listen to her show, go support her. Um, Maybe you might want to work with her after you listen to this episode. Um, Yeah, let's dive into it. I'm so excited for you to meet Jennifer Trepic. Jen, welcome to Growing Woman. I'm so, so excited to have you here. Thank you. Me too. Finally. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I'm so excited you're here. So we know each other because we were in the same networking group and we met, we have like the best networking group and we have met so many incredible people through that group and through networking. Um, How did you come to find um, our group in particular and, and like what drove you to network some more? Yeah, well, it's interesting. So I built my business on the side for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And also it's sort of interesting because I built my business with 90% people I did not know before. And so to meet new people, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. And so at the time when 
I ended up coming to the group. I had left my full-time job a couple months before that. Now at that time, it made sense where I could commit to a regular weekly group yeah, instead of like all the one-off things that I always did. Yeah. So I, had, I was literally like shopping networking groups. So I had narrowed it down and there was one I thought I was going to apply to. And somebody said to me who I'd met with a few times, like we become, you know, friendly. And he said, you're not allowed to apply to that group until you go visit this other one. <laughs> and I was like, huh? And he's like, just trust me. And I was like, okay, I trust you. So he sent me to connect 70 and I was like, oh, I get it. Okay. This is the group. <laughs> yeah. I love it. That's awesome. Well, I remember when you joined, I was like, oh, she has such great energy and it's just been so cool to see your business evolve. So you are in the health Thanks. and wellness area and you, yes. um, coach people on being the healthiest that they can possibly be. And, and what I love about what you do is you bring science into it and you really bring the mechanics of, um, the body into your work. And also, uh, you have just such a deep understanding of the mental component that goes into yeah. health and wellness and diet culture. So where did you start on this journey and, and what brought you to, obviously you just mentioned you had this as a side hustle for 12 years. So this took some time, but what to say the least interesting, <laughs> <laughs> but what piqued your interest in this area and what got you started in this field? Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, thank you. Um, so I, what got me started? I don't remember ever not being in these conversations, I grew up a dancer and I would say, like, I joke that I was the skinny one in a family of dieters. And I joke because I just didn't realize I was on a diet my whole life anyway. Mm. You know, like I, I, I think because I was a dancer, I was more aware of my body than the average person. I was also hyper aware. I think one of the things, not just like body size, because dancers are, that's not, Yes, that's part of the industry, right? And the culture, right? But I think what it is really is more about recognizing like, and being aware of where your body is in space. Mm -hmm. And like you guys, <laughs> you probably experience it now. Like if you ever go to a workout class and you're like, why is this person in my space? That is like human body spatial awareness. Right, and as right. a dancer, I'm hyper aware of that. So when I went from, high school to college. And I wasn't dancing 85 days a week. And, you know, my food changed. I was always a healthy eater, but I just remember being in the dorms and there was like my school, I went to the University of Michigan. They were apparently very progressive in they, I remember like the calorie count being on some things in the dining Whoa. room. I know very progressive, but I remember it was supposed to be like steamed broccoli. And it said like, thousands of calories. And I was like, what? Like, what did you guys do to the broccoli? Like, I don't understand. Right. Yeah. But so when I was doing, you know, when I started to gain weight, because I had that awareness of where my body was in space, I was so uncomfortable. Mm. Like it was so dramatic for me mm -hmm. that it took a toll 
on my energy, on my confidence, on, you know, all of those kinds of things, because I was so aware, like it didn't take that much for me to recognize that like, I didn't feel right in my skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I was like, okay, I know what to do. I watched my family do this my whole life. So I tried every diet under the sun, like gained and lost the whole nine over and over and over every time trying a different diet. I interned in New York every summer in college. So I would come to New York. I would work out every day. I'd walk. I also ate out three meals a day, gained weight, go back to school, try some diet, lose some of the weight, not all of it, and then end up back in New York for another summer. And it was just this vicious cycle. And I remember um, it was going into my senior year of college and I just felt like I would breathe and gain weight. And I was like, I don't understand. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. this doesn't even make any sense. Like a person doing the things I'm doing should, (laughs) one of my least favorite words, but should be losing weight. Or, or making some sort of shift in their body. Like there's something not quite right. And I mean, it was just so irritating. So my 21st birthday, fall of senior year of college, my birthday present that I asked for was a Weight Watchers membership and a personal trainer. Wow. Or a gym membership. Like that's not normal. Yeah. And not that's a normal lot of pressure anyway. to put on yourself. And the pressure, but also like, that's how important it was to me to figure this out that like my 21st birthday, like don't buy me the set of martini glasses. Like, (laughs) you know, this is not where I'm at. Yeah. Um, but so it was one of those things. And I would say I had the most success with Weight Watchers. I also gained the weight back still following Weight Watchers, which I realize now means it doesn't work, (laughs) but (laughs) But so it was like this lifelong conversation, you Mm -hmm. know, then I moved to New York after graduating from college and I started working and I remember, so my first job out of school was at an ad agency specialized in catalog. So I was essentially like a photo shoot producer and the person who was like two levels above me in the hierarchy, like in the career path of what this was, right? Was like turning 40. And I remember I called home and I was like, if I am turning 40 and I am still at this company and I am two levels above where I am now, Mm. put me on a plane, send me home. We're calling it like, this is done. I'm not, you know, like that's not the path I'm looking for. Right. Then we were planning our annual family vacation for December of that year. And I remember having to go into the computer system to request the time off. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, I am requesting permission for access to my own time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I've been there. Like, and I was like, oh, hell no. Like, I don't know what I am going to do. I just know it's not this. Yeah. You know, so I went out looking for things. I was looking for things to do in my spare time with the intention of like just taking that extra money and investing it. But then everything I thought of sounded totally miserable or just not feasible, right? Like when I was uh, at the University of Michigan, I was a writing tutor. So I was like, oh, I'll go to NYU 
and tutor kids and just take that money and invest it. And then it was like, how am I going to do that? I have to be at work at 8 a.m. I can't be up all night because somebody forgot they had a paper due. Like all the things I thought of just weren't going to work. Right. You know, at the same time, I have my like saga happening of like trying to figure out what's going on with my body. And then I learned about the program that I now teach. And at first I was like, no, 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 that's okay. I've got my thing. (laughs) You know, like I knew everything I had all doing what I've always been doing. I'm good. (laughs) Meanwhile, like my thing was this crazy ass roller coaster, but I was like, I don't need whatever you've got, you know? Yeah. And, but I saw this woman, I don't know her name. I don't know where she's from. Like, I keep hoping that somewhere the interwebs are going to like reconnect me to this woman, but she was telling her story of losing like 150 pounds. Wow. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Because I was staring at her and I couldn't see where 10 pounds could have been in her body, let alone like you're telling me that the equivalent of another human was attached to you. Mm-hmm. You know, like my brain, it just did not compute. Yeah. And I had a moment that was like, Jennifer, <laughs> right? Like this wasn't even Jen. This was like full name <laughs> moment with myself of like, they know something you don't know, like get out of your own way. So I worked with a coach. I followed the program. It completely changed my life. Like the only thing that's allowed me to say I've kicked my food issues. <laughs> and then I was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do because learning this information, I was like, well, why isn't this what we learned? How did it come to be like, well, what we learned, like, where did that come from compared to this? And I just, I was so passionate about it. I read everything I could get my hands on. I went to every training and seminar and workshop and everything. Cause I was like, this is what's changing my life. Everybody deserves this information. Like this is human stuff. Yeah. You know, I find this so fascinating. I have so many questions um, <laughs> that I, on this show, we often talk about the tap on the shoulder moment um, where you have been guided to that thing that where, where you feel in flow that moment Mm -hmm. that you could do this all day. You could be with someone talking about this all day. You could have that moment flow out of you forever. And it felt like you, it feels like you kind of had multiple taps along the way and you were guided in, in certain directions, you know, uh, with the time off, um, moment where you're like, my time is really valuable or seeing your coworker and wanting to reach beyond that. And then having this connection with this, um, you know, woman who became your ally in this way. So, when you started to recognize those moments, did you see them building upon each other or was it just one after the other? And, and then when it hit you, it hit you. I did see them as building because one definitely led to the next, but I didn't necessarily put it all together at each moment. And what I mean by that is In the beginning, those taps were what I don't want. And I think that happens for a lot of us, especially when we start our careers. We learn first what we don't want more than what we do. (laughs) We learn what we don't like. And so that was like, I think the first couple. And then the tap on the shoulder with this woman's story, I had no idea in that moment 
what it was going to lead to. Yeah. Those are the best moments though. Like when you have that wave come over you, um, I've talked about how when Trisha, our, our mutual friend, Trisha held her conference and in the moment where I was in one of the breakout rooms, I had that wave of overwhelm. Oh my God. I'm talking to all of these incredible women about their stories. Oh my God. They're allies to each other. They're really, you know, someone's being so vulnerable right now. Oh, this is what I love. Like, this is what I want to do. Um, and so I feel like that wave that, that is overwhelming can be absolutely incredible. And it obviously changed your life because now you're doing this for a living, but I want to go back because you mentioned it a couple of times, um, to your upbringing and Mm -hmm. how you said that you were on a diet for your whole life. And you didn't really recognize that. And those were the tools that you were using. And unfortunately they just weren't working. So what was that like? Like what, what did that look like? What was that diet? How did that all you know, yeah. what was that upbringing like? Yeah. So it's interesting because I ate tons of vegetables, like by all in air quotes qualifications, right? I ate healthy, but my house was sort of like a tale of two worlds. So whatever our meals were, were compliant with whatever the diet was that my dad was on. So oh, whether that was, you know, turkey burgers and Brussels sprouts, or we did one diet as a family years later called the 40, 30, 30 diet, which was like essentially macros and balancing your macros. But one of the meals on the meal plan was like, you ate these things in a whole can of beets. So literally (laughs) my dad, my sister and I, like whatever the rest of the meal was. And then we all had like a side that was like a a bowl of beets. Like I, I, whatever. So we're going to definitely get into diet culture for (laughs) sure. But yeah. But like, so it was all of those kinds of things. Yeah. And then it was our house had, we had an entire refrigerator that was just soda. And as, yeah. And as, um, sort of the diet world evolved, right? We had regular, we had diet, mostly diet soda. And then we evolved to diet Snapple in the mix. Well, right? well, well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but so there was this refrigerator right in the back that was all of these crazy drinks. And then we also had in the pantry, there was all the food that like nobody else's parents would buy them. So like easy cheese, right? Like the cheese in a can Mm -hmm. or every fruit snack on the planet and all these things. And it was those things. And then there would also be sort of like a container of all the like Nutrisystem snacks Mm. at a time when my dad was doing Nutrisystem. So like, I remember at times like coming home, my dad worked from home and I was hungry after school. And I remember grabbing something that like looked good from the Nutrisystem stuff and going into my dad's office and being like, can I eat this? And he's like, sure, whatever, you know, but like, why am I, I knew that it was the stuff for his diet, but I didn't think anything of it at the time. Right. Yeah. Like like, you didn't think much about the fact that he was on these diets. It sounds like. Or right. I didn't think much of that. And then I didn't think what it would mean for me to be eating those things. Right. Either like the dots just didn't connect. Mm -hmm. 
but also recognizing like it makes sense then that later on I would have these moments of like going to a grocery store and buying a tube of cookie dough and like going at it with a spoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? It sounds like a lot of ups and downs, um, which, right. you know, every single parent out there is doing their best and they're doing what a they thousand know. Percent. And I think, you know, when it comes to food, I think a lot, it's so complicated. And a lot of, um, parents navigate it to the best of their ability. And I think we all take for granted that if we're a parent, we're teaching our kid literally everything too. So in those moments where you're grabbing something, you know, it's almost like muscle memory. I, um, I go to Costco and I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. Like all of the bulk things that my mom would buy, like muscle memory, I'll grab this thing. And it's like, I I actually don't need this thing. Like, why do I want this thing? I actually don't need like (laughs) six things of butter in my house. Like what? Like, I just need one, like, you know, or whatever it is. Um, but you know, when we're taught certain things, I feel like it can reflect so easily without us even thinking in our adult selves. Um, and it sounds like you had a lot of those, um, you know, moments of up and down of not really like the kind of just following what you were being taught too and understanding and, what you were, was around you. And the thing that I share all the time with my clients is like, of course, this is where we are. Our parents didn't have different information, right? Yes. They, we grew up with sugar-free, fat-free snack wells, like uh, lean cuisine, all of the things. And of course, this is how we, like, how could we expect any other outcome? Yeah. And so it's no one's fault. It just is what it is. And so instead of, I don't think we have a tendency to want to assign blame or fault. And like, I, it is what it is. 100%. And, and like how, again, like how could we expect something else if our parents weren't taught something else? Because remember when they were growing up, those foods didn't exist. Those were all what we call what I like to call new to nature molecules that were introduced in the nineties and early two thousands. Right. And so it didn't even occur to them that that's what we were growing up on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, and it just, it's sort of what happens for better or worse when we don't realize. And as you said, everybody's just doing the best they can with the information they have at any given moment. Like, absolutely. I also think, yeah. you know, it comes down to, um, so many different factors too. your privilege, your economic status, what you're seeing around you, what you're totally. consuming, what you've been taught by your parents. Um, our parents were taught by their parents, everything under the right. sun. Um, I would love to talk about like your mental health journey with your health, because it sounds like it was pretty up and down for you, um, through, the process of being frustrated that your body wasn't really complying with things you knew. Um, and then, you know, when you ask for, um, weight watchers and, um, a personal trainer for your 21st birthday, like those things sound like honestly, mentally taxing to me and like that process, because I have definitely been there of, you know, losing weight and gaining weight. It can be a mentally taxing process, especially for young women. So what has your mental health journey been like around food and, um, how has that evolved? Yeah. So 
looking back on it, like I remember moments of being so upset or unhappy or uncomfortable, but I don't remember the whole thing being that way. Mm. Right. Like I wouldn't, I think I am like genetically predisposed to <laughs> like, there is a gene. I, I, I'm not making of this course. up. Um, but like to some level of like positivity. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, I feel the same way about myself. <laughs> I really yeah. do because yeah. everything else swirls around me and it's like n- insanity. And I'm like, we're all good here. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Continue. So, <laughs> so like it wasn't an overarching thing. It wasn't like this depression for years. It was moments of recognizing, not feeling like myself. Yes. Right. And I still went on. I did all the things I got the job. I was, but it was this thing in the back of my mind going on. So I don't know if this answers your question. Like, yes, there's ups and downs. And there were moments like I remember once, um, again, that same fall around my 21st birthday. And I was shopping with my mom and my sister. I needed like business casual clothes because I was in business school and we had companies coming. And so there were all these events. So I needed like business casual clothes. And I remember like crying in the dressing room because I hated the way things looked on me. Mm. And then the thing that did look okay, I saw what size it was. And I was like, I don't even understand. Like, that's not my body. Mm. And so like, there were moments like that, but it wasn't what drove how I felt every day all the time. Right. Yeah. I, I understand that. And I think there are people out there where it does drive how they feel totally every day. And it's okay too. Yeah. You know, and it just, I think when it does, it just adds to the importance of addressing it. What? Yes, totally. And addressing how to feel your best, um, and take care of yourself and, and give yourself love in, in a different way than you may have expected, because it sounds like Mm -hmm. the way that you went about healing. I mean, I would assume your relationship with food and your relationship with your um, body and understanding your body and understanding that personal space that you were talking about was through knowledge and was through opening the door to that. So what did that look like? (laughs) What did you learn? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I have come to believe that theoretically, we all know what to do, right? We all know vegetables, protein, quality fat, fruit, not Twix and fruit roll-ups. Doesn't take a rocket scientist, (laughs) right? Yeah. But there is a difference between knowing what to do and actually doing it. And there are moments when that decision is way more difficult. Mm -hmm. So what I learned is I call it, you've heard me say this before. I call it the nutrition education. We're all supposed to know and no one ever taught us. Yes. How foods impact our body, how our body processes food, why in a certain situation, something's more appealing than in another situation. And that 
for me, shifted every food decision from being emotional to intellectual. So at this hedge fund I used to work at, it was in one of those like shared office spaces. So there was like a kitchen on the floor and then everybody's offices were around. So Monday morning, there was like a continental breakfast available in the kitchen. There were times before I learned all this, there were times when I would walk in the kitchen and be like, just don't look the mini muffins, the mini croissants, like, just don't look, you don't see Mm. it. You know, I could probably go get water like twice by the third time. It was like, why do you suck? Why can't you just not eat the muffin? You know? (laughs) Yeah. That's so hard. Right. And then when I learned all this, I remember distinctly, I walked in the kitchen to go get water to make what I brought for breakfast. And I was like, Oh, I get why that's super appealing to me right now. Cause I'm really hungry and that's fast fuel. So what I need to do is I got to go eat what I brought. And then if I still want this, I'll come back. Right. Yeah. So it was no longer this emotional turmoil of like beating, trying to beat myself up enough into compliance. Right. And really understanding, oh, I get why that's appealing. So instead of this emotional decision, I could intellectually say, I'm going to do this. And then if I still want that, I'm good. Right. Because your body's hungry. (laughs) Your body's like, (laughs) I would like food. And I think that mental um, ping pong is just so rough. We've all, I think all of us have been there. Um, I mean, I'm not, I guess that's a very broad statement, but so many of us have been there where we walk in front of something, we see something that looks delicious and yeah. Okay. Give yourself permission to have something that you want, but also understand, okay, how is this? Why do I want this? And also how is this going to impact my, my mood, my feeling, my body throughout the day? Right. Um, So when you started to change that, um, emotionally and mentally, um, you know, obviously physically what started to shift in other patterns, obviously you just spoke of the shift of being around like communal, delicious different options, but what else started to happen? I mean, everything, right? Like I remember at times thinking like, is my food out of control? Cause my desk is a mess or is my desk a mess? Cause my food's out of control right? Mm. Like this chicken and egg. Well, who cares which one? Just start with one and see what happens, right? So I took (laughs) 10 minutes, (laughs) cleaned up my desk, and then all of a sudden the helpful choices were a whole lot easier. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot about just recognizing where all this stuff is playing out. So even if we're not focused on losing weight or we're at you know, maybe we were, and then now we're, you know, in air quotes at goal, right? But there's this constant dialogue in the back of our mind. We're not there yet. If we're making choices, opting out of life, if we're saying, I can't eat at that restaurant, or I'm not going to go to this because I don't want to be, you know, eating that food or in that situation or drinking the drinks or whatever it is. If we're opting out of life, we're not there yet. Right. So 
I'm saying this so as to say, like, what shifted was a shift to indifference. Mm-hmm. Like, the opposite of one thing isn't the other. <laughs> it's this middle ground of like everything, anything, all the time, no matter what, it's all fine. And onward, being able to take all that mental capacity and put it to other things. Yeah. Instead of, that running dialogue in the back of our mind. Well, I think when we do have um, that running dialogue, the taking the action feels so overwhelming. Taking the next step, um, doing anything in one direction, like you're saying, cleaning your desk, um, ha- cleaning your home, stepping outside of your home sometimes, you know, like yeah. it can feel really overwhelming, just the action in itself. And it sounds like you definitely battled with that as well. But he, and I think what I learned is that the action is actually not the overwhelming part. Mm -hmm. The dialogue is the overwhelming part. And the only way to get out of the dialogue is the action. 100%. And it's, I I've said this before, um, with past guests, isn't that so annoying? (laughs) Like like, it's over and over and over again. It's like so beautiful. And also like, Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, like, but the thing is like, yeah, it's annoying, but also effing liberating. Totally. All we have to do is one step. All we have to do is one thing actually like stop thinking about it and just do anything. Like how much easier is that? (laughs) Yes. In my brain, I was just thinking like how easy to just do it. Like it's that easy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) To just do it. (laughs) And that much in our power and our control. But like when we're thinking about it all the time, that's what's exhausting. Yes. 100%. It sounds like you really started to step into your power. How did you start to change, um, when you were stepping into your power? I know that you said, you know, you had this side hustle for 12 years before it became full time. (laughs) Um, I guess number one, how did you change when you were in your power and, and what, what really motivated you to continue to live in your power? So yeah, it's, um, I knew I was in the right place. I was experiencing those things when I was having these conversations with people, when I saw the light bulb go off for them, Mm -hmm. right. That other people were having the transformations that I had just by sharing this information. And so that was when I was like, I have to keep going with this. And I say all the time, like 12 years building a business on the side. Like I can't even tell you how many times I thought about quitting. You know, yeah. like there are so many times where it'd be easier to be like, you know what? Like, it's annoying that when I leave here, I have more things to do. Wouldn't <sighs> it be nice with like my friends, all they think about on a weekend is, should we go to a movie? Should we <laughs> eat at this restaurant? Right. And I'm trying to build an empire, <laughs> right. In spare time. So there were definitely moments, but the thing, like I'd sort of talk myself through this circle of if not this, right? Like if I'm not building the side hustle, then I'm choosing this full-time job. And I'm back to choosing that thing that I had decided however many years ago wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Has that changed? Nope. Okay. Which means knowing myself, right? If that hasn't changed, I'm not going to just accept this 
which means I'm going to want something else. (laughs) What would my something else be if not what I'm already doing? Right. And there was nothing, right? I'd gone down that road. There was nothing else that lit me up inside. And feeling in your power, right? I felt in flow and in my power when I was having these conversations with clients or potential clients or, you know, teaching people this information. So I knew that that's what I needed to do. So I just kept going and I accepted the fact that there would be times when I was putting more into it or less into it, given whatever was going on in the rest of my life or with my job. Mm -hmm. And when I left my full-time job, it was sort of the perfect storm. Like I had set myself up to be able to leave and not rush into the next thing and to give myself a minute to breathe. And that was actually when I launched my podcast because I'd gotten into listening to podcasts and I was like, well, I don't know what to do with spare time clearly. So I'm going to start something new. (laughs) (laughs) But But so I think it was all about saying like choosing intentionally yeah. At each point and talking myself through the process of quitting, like playing that out. What would that look like? Like, let's go, let's mentally go down that road. Did you talk to people about this process at all? Or was this kind of like insular for you? It's a good question. I mean, I've had a therapist since I, as long as I can remember. So <laughs> like, I'm sure I brought it up. Um, But when I thought about quitting or having those moments, it was much more insular Mm -hmm. because it got to the point too, where like, I knew this merry-go-round, right? So I was like, yeah, I know. Okay. Nope. Just keep going. You know, (laughs) I love the exercise that you shared of checking in with yourself, because I think that's really important in those moments when everyone who's starting something new, even a, you know, a new job, you're not, you you don't have a side hustle, anything new, you're going to get worn out. You're going to think, is this right for me? Is this the thing I want to be doing? Well, what other options are out there that I could be doing? I think that process is such a good exercise because we're all going to be there. Um, and I think that ties really beautifully into the work that you do with people's food and health choices, because when you're about to make a decision that maybe would make you feel not so great, you can look at your options and you can say, right. well, what else is out there for me? Like, is this still making me feel good? You know, what other options would make me feel better? And I think yep. That's such a great reflection of the work that you do. Well, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, but it's true. It's like the, first of all, I also firmly believe and have come to live in my life that nothing is permanent. 100%. Yeah. Unless we decide it's permanent, nothing is permanent. So if we make a choice and it turns out it wasn't what we thought it was going to be, we get to choose again. Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay, next. Right. And so it's that same, you know, even when I decided not to get the next full-time job, right. And to give myself a minute to just focus on what had always been a side thing. I was like, all I know is that I'm choosing this, this week or today. And when the headhunter would call me, (laughs) like, he'd tell me about something and I'd like start to twitch sort of, you know, like inside. (laughs) Like, I think I'm not ready. I'm going to pass. Yeah. You know, and it was like, 
I don't know how long I'm choosing this for. Here we are two and a half years later. Clearly I'm choosing it over and over. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. But in each time it was like, well, I'm choosing this for now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also okay for us to say like, we're all just making choices for now. And we can always decide to choose again in a minute, in five seconds or in five years. Yes. This actually makes me think of the second frozen movie. Um, <laughs> and that song, the song about making you know, the choice to do the next right thing, because I think that's so true. And I think it's such a great lesson for anything. Like you're saying, we have the choice to make, we can decide it's in our hands to change that thought process or to change that choice. Um, when you're working with your clients now and you're teaching them about nutrition and you're teaching them the best ways and the, the most efficient ways to fuel their bodies, um, what sort of choices are your clients coming up against that you really work on with them? <laughs> I'm like life, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, well, so it's interesting because fundamentally when working with it, we start with the nuts and bolts nutrition and making, and just cleaning that up to some degree, relearning or potentially learning for the first time, actually how foods impact our body. Like I said before, and how our body processes food so that we can then start to make some of these choices. And what ends up happening is that those challenging moments reveal themselves. Half of them take care of themselves. They just go away because a majority of cravings and challenging situations are a function of improper fuel. Mm -hmm. So half of it just disappears on its own when we actually give our body what it needs. Then those moments where it is a challenging situation, we can then look at it and see what's going on, um, figure out was there's a million different possibilities for what it could be. So sometimes it's about looking at the rest of that day or the rest of that week or patterns, right? Or um, even just saying like, of course, this, this was hard, right? Like hard things are hard. Yeah. And then saying, okay, so here's what happened this time. What do you want to have happen next time? And then what are the things that we can put in place to help make that choice a little easier? Right. Because I think I hear about all the time people want to. It's funny, actually. Um, I had a couple conversations in the last few weeks of people saying, I want to work with you, but when? Right. And the but when was after dealing with some of this stuff. Yeah. For our the listeners, Jenna's getting yes, the head, head stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's really interesting because. Our gut and our brain are so connected. And whenever we, in Western medicine is so great at this, right? When we try to isolate something, <laughs> it doesn't really work that we really have to look at everything as a whole. And there is a literal connection between the brain and the gut in a variety of ways. Um, essentially, in that communication about three-fifths of the communication goes gut to brain. Hmm. Two-fifths goes brain to gut. 
So if we try to solely think our way to these other choices, right? Or what I used to do, try to beat myself up into compliance or figure it all out mentally. I feel like it's like standing at the bottom of Mount Everest naked and barefoot and everyone around you is going, climb, climb. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you climbing? Right? When we start with literally the nuts and bolts of food, all of a sudden you're like, at the bottom of a ski hill in Vermont with skis, poles, boots, a chairlift. And you're like, okay, I'll go up. I might fall on the way down. Right. But I'd be willing to get back on the lift and figure out how to not fall the next time. I'm prepared. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so it doesn't have to be like, everything doesn't have to be climbing Mount Everest, but it can feel that way in this moment when we're trying to like, will it all into being. Yeah. This really leads me into diet culture because, because <laughs> we're taught that, I mean, diet culture is everywhere. It runs so much, um, it, you know, I think obviously around the world, but in the United States, it feels really, really, really prevalent. Um, and it makes me feel unprepared. It makes me feel like I have to climb Everest naked instead of being prepared to ski in Vermont. Um, How do you combat diet culture in your work? Um, I would imagine that also comes through knowledge and education, but there's so much in diet culture that is about shoulds you should be doing this, or this should happen this way, or you should look like this. This is what a healthy meal is. So how do you combat diet culture in your work? Yeah. Talk about a loaded question. For sure. Um, (laughs) So it's interesting because um, I, I did an episode in December called you versus the diet industry. Yeah. And this is really what it's about. It's I was tempted to get caught up in all the things flying at me, the ads, the before and after photos, all those things. When two things were happening. One, I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what my plan was. I didn't feel confident, right, in what I was doing. And two, and this might be a little confronting, I think it's a lack of integrity with ourselves. And what I mean by that is if we don't trust ourselves to follow our plan, all of the quick fix lotions, potions, fads, all the things look really appealing. And so it is fundamentally to me, education, like science-based actual real information that allows us to have like this framework from which we can then evaluate all of the things coming at us from all the different places. So if one day the news is telling us broccoli is going to give us cancer, but the next day broccoli is going to cure us of everything, (laughs) right? Where is our foundation of knowledge to say, here's the information I'm going to pick and choose what I listen to. And the drawback of that is that it's not quite so simple, right? Mm -hmm. Like that education takes time and it takes someone's interest to learn. And it's a lot easier to throw before and after photos onto your social media. So 
the way I do it for me and my clients is to stand firm and doggedly dig my heels in for what I know to be true. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I am a thousand percent, like I'm a constant learner. I geek out on all this stuff. So like, I'm open to learning something new. I'm open to new research and new science, you know, and not new science. That's a weird phrase, but like things that develop that we learn yeah. thanks to science. Um, but I also always evaluate it with a little bit of a critical mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all any of us can do. Yeah. And, and to then say, okay, like I notice that when I see those things, it makes me question what I'm doing. But when I think about what I'm doing, I feel really good about it. So the element is not to change what we're doing, right? We don't need shiny object syndrome. That's not going to get us where we want to be in anything. Rather to say, maybe I want to unfollow that. Yeah. Like, maybe... I want to not read health headlines. Right. The, the consumption of so much media right. around us, so many people in perfect yoga poses with a right. green smoothie <laughs> in their hand, you know, there's, I love and it to, and it's challenging. <laughs> right. And to recognize too, right. It's industry. 100%. It's so a billion dollar objective, industry. right? 78 billion. Oof. Like what? And that was like 2019. So <laughs> the thing about it is also to recognize the diet industry have shifted to a conversation about wellness and the diet industry and the food industry are intrinsic, that's not the right word, but like intimately connected. And so what that means too, is for us to say, I'm not going to look at a single claim that you put on the front of your package, right? It might entice me to look at it, but I'm going to flip it over. I'm going to do more research and look at what's actually happening. Not just what you want me to think is happening. Right. Because their objective is to make money. The food pyramid that we grew up on was based on economics and getting us to eat what we grow in this country. Yeah. Yeah. We grow corn and wheat and now soy. Mm -hmm. It was not based on biology is not based on nutrition. It is not based on human anatomy. It is not based on what you actually need for health. And so what we have to do is say, if my health is my priority, I have to recognize that that's not their priority. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this makes me think about you grabbing that bar in your home and taking it to your dad and, and your family following that diet that was advertised over and over and over again. That was the different diet of, of that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. and how much diet culture shapes our education around health and wellness when you're now, um, going home to your family has, has that changed in your life and your family's life too? Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's so 2011, I coached my whole family ahead of my sister's wedding. <laughs> so first of all, talk about challenging it, learning to be a yeah. master coach, <laughs> coach your family. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But so now it's interesting. And, and that has evolved. There were times when going home, my family looked at me like the food police, 
Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, not me. I'm salad with a side of fries. You know, <laughs> recently, recently, my sister goes, do you eat fries? Like all the time, all the time. <laughs> and I was like, no, <laughs> but we also have this assumption when we see what other people eat, we assume that that's what they eat all the time. Yeah. We make a whole lot of assumptions. So with my family dynamics, everybody is much more healthful now than we were then. And sometimes even my dad called me the other day and he goes, wait, you said something about oatmeal on this episode. Say that one more time. Oh, that's so cute. So I I have this thing, you know, and so we're all growing and we're all learning and evolving. And yeah, there are times when we sort of fall back into old habits, but there's always a forward movement and a progression and because I think what everybody has realized, hopefully in these last two years, especially is that if we don't have our health, nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. And it's really come down to, we have to reclaim control of our health, that, that those outcomes are ours to create that our doctors that we're seeing once a year, like that's not healthcare, right? At best, that's early detection. But even still, there might be things that you ask your doctor. Like I have a client where I, he did a, a test and I said, ask him if it was looking at these two different things or just one thing. And this doctor said, oh, well, that's not necessary. <laughs> So like, we have to reclaim control. We have to ask those exactly. questions and take the lead because everybody knows what they know. And you know, your body better than anyone else on this planet. 100%. And I think that, um, it is very easy for us to go into a doctor's office to meet with someone and follow their lead. And expect that they will be the person that brings up everything you need to know. They'll be the person to lead you along the way, but it is up to you to create that framework for your health and for yourself and, and to really advocate for yourself in every single way. I talk about this with people all the time when, you know, they're expecting a child and they're talking about what to expect in their doctor's appointments. And I would say, you have to ask them and you have to really do your research and bring in that knowledge. And I, it comes down to every aspect of your health. You have to be the person to take charge and, and really advocate for you in front of others, um, which, which to me requires that we learn a little more. So we even know what to ask. Exactly. 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 And and that's not to say like, there are amazing doctors out there and doctors play a very important role. And like, we are so fortunate to live in a world that we can Mm -hmm. access a lot of these things and (laughs) we need to be partners in our healthcare. Yes. Yes, definitely. So as we are coming to our hour, um, I ask every single guest on this show about any allies who are women in their lives. So, um, do you have allies that you can think of in your life who identify as women that have been, um, there for you throughout your journey and, um, have, have supported you along the way? Um, 
how much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Literally, like you asked that question and like 8 million people are rushing to my head, but like my mom, my therapist, right? My business partners, my friends, like I have been on this path for so long and it would be so easy for people to be like, are you really ever going to do it? right? Or for them to start a podcast. And as you know, right. And I'm building this business and they're like, you're doing what? Right. So like all of these people, everybody, my clients, I mean, you guys are the most incredible community of people I've ever met in my life. And I'm just honored to be counted in the company of all of these incredible people and our networking group. And I think one of my strengths is surrounding myself with really incredible women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see it in your work and in your life and how you approach um, your your style of working with people too. So I think that um, the work that you're doing deeply resonates with a lot of people. Where can people find you yes. if they want to work <laughs> with you? Obviously, we'll have all of that information in the show notes, but where can people find you? Yes. So all social media, I'm at Jen Trepic, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. Podcast is salad with a side of fries. So wherever you're listening, it is there. I mean, you want this education and pay nothing. Like it is all there. A hundred over 125 episodes plus the nutrition nuggets. Like it is all there for the taking. Um, And if that added accountability is something that would really help you in this new year, to stand strong and knowing what you know and not be swayed by all the marketing that's flying at you, send me a message. Um, and my website is a salad with a side of rice.com. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Please, please be in contact with Jen and work with her. She is absolutely incredible. And that incredible cheerleader you just need in those moments where you're trying to make that next right choice. So thank you, Jen, for being here. I am just so grateful for your time today. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'm just excited to be a part of it all. Yeah. Well, for our listeners, oh my gosh, first episode of the year and never forget that your story matters and you matter. And we will see you on the next episode of Growing Woman. Thanks everyone. Growing Woman is brought to you by Amplify Her Media. Amplify Her Media is a media company dedicated to amplifying and uplifting women's voices and stories. Follow along for more at AmplifyHerMedia.com or follow along on Instagram at AmplifyHerMedia.